we're not in the great outdoors, we're thinking about it. Kinder Outdoors. Come on into the camp house and make yourself at home. Hey, I'm Billy Kinder. Welcome to the camp house at Kinder Outdoors. Really glad that you're here. Front door to the camp house brought to you by Forta Flora, America's number one canine probiotic. I recently gifted some Forta Flora to a friend whose dog had some GI trouble. A couple of days later, I saw him out and about, and they said, wow, that stuff is fantastic, and it is. All of our dogs suffer from GI upset from time to time, and hey, Fortiflora fixes that. Learn more about Fortiflora when you come see me at kinderoutdoors.com. <coughs> the conversation ranges today from pigs, how to keep them out or in, with our ranch fence expert, John Payne from Tejas Fence Company. We're going to reload for springtime bass fishing with John Cox from Major League Fishing's Bass Pro Tour. Mr. Whitetail, Larry Wysoon, he's talking about axis deer, my favorite. And it's a lesson in flipping and pitching for big largemouth bass with the master, Gary Klein. So hey, pour yourself a hot cup of coffee and pull up a chair by the fire. You're in camp with us at Kinder Outdoors. I want to kick it off with a good bird hunt and turn to my old friend Bob West for that, renowned bird dog trainer and spokesman. When I grow up, I want to be just like Bob West because you have hunted all over the place and every species of upland bird there is uh, many times over. These birds are near and dear to our hearts like our dogs. Bob, what are your favorite birds to hunt? Well, Billy, I like them all, but uh, I'll tell you what. When you can go out on that prairie, maybe it's because I live in Iowa in the cornfields and stuff, and I can hunt pheasants. Oh, yeah. We decent quail hunting and that, and not far to grow. It's maybe something because it's new and different to me. But when I can get out there on that prairie with the sharp tail of the huns and just relax and let a dog go. If you've got a dog that's well broke, that's the only thing you can do out there is just let them go. And I, I enjoy that so much because you can pretty much see them all the time uh, it's and it's a fun bird it's a real fun bird to hunt and yeah. you know I like them all I like hunting those uh, quail down in the mountains in Arizona and stuff the merns uh, I've hunted the chuckers up in the hill country of oh in the northern California and uh, Nevada up in that way but it's hard to say what one is the very best uh, the a rough grouse up north will put the hair up on your neck too. So, when when you got a good dog just doing a good job, yeah. uh, and you're with some good friends and joking back and forth and having fun and being safe, it's I don't it really don't matter where you're at. Yeah, it really doesn't. And uh, old gentleman Bob, Bob White Quail, and we find one of those 25, 30 covey days. All of a sudden, that can become your favorite. I've seen on the King Ranch uh, 21 Covey Day, and coming from Iowa where the very best we'll see is maybe a seven if you work hard, seven Coveys, that's amazing. Yeah. It's totally amazing. That's a lot of fun. You know, there are some uh, particular species of birds that are probably better if you're training dogs, if you're field trialing dogs, you want to keep them buttoned down tight. You might want a tight-holding Bob White or Hun better than a running pheasant. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Um, I, over time, I think they all run. 
<laughs> I think you're right. I think the uh, the quail, the bobs out in West Texas, anyway, have learned over the past decade that, you know, we may be in a little trouble. They run more. They run like the bobs, like the blues do now. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, maybe we're doing selective breeding because the ones that stay steady to the dog, we're going to have a better chance of shooting. I don't know, but uh, I've even seen uh, the little woodcock run. They'll they'll tuck their bill up against their back or breast and just run right through the brush. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, I, that's one thing I have never done. I've never gone to the Upper Peninsula or anywhere up north and hunted woodcock. You're still standing here, so I guess a man can survive it. You can survive it. When you walk in there, you wonder, uh, there's no way a guy can shoot in here. <laughs> right. And uh, it, it, to me, it causes me to be uh, a little quick on the trigger and stuff. Right. And when I get that out in the open, I have to talk to myself, slow down a little bit. Yeah, but, no kidding. They're, they're a great sport. Uh, it takes a very, very cautious dog because those birds aren't tolerant at all. And, uh, you know, you can appreciate it just as much as you can the others down south, though. Yeah, some of these birds really punish us, like the, uh, like the woodcock or the chucker. The chucker can make us wear some shoe leather out, boot leather out. Oh, that's it's that's wicked. If you're gonna hunt, if you're gonna hunt them in their country, I know a lot of the folks listen to us have hunted them on preserves and stuff. Yeah. Folks, that's not the same bird that's out there in the wild. Uh, none of them are. Right. But uh, when you get up in that country where you got a, where I hunted them in uh, on the eastern uh, Oregon there in the Hawaii Reservoir area, we were trying to stay about 5,000 feet. And uh, it's wicked, and, and straight up and down, and uh, dry, and boy, they're tough, yeah. and they're hard. The, yeah, they say the first time you hunt them for fun, and then uh, the rest of your life you hunt them for revenge. So you're in revenge mode. Well, I'm 70. If I'm going to do it again, it better be quick, because they're rough. They're in rough country. The old chucker will make a fool out of you, and then laugh out loud. <laughs> You can trust products with the Purina name on them, like calming care for the overactive dog, the overbarker, the overjumper. It helps to settle that dog naturally, gently, and over time. Calming care. Hey, we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to build some pig-proof fence. Hey, everybody. It's Dominic Zamito with Two Rivers Fly Shop in North Fork, Arkansas. When I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm sure thinking about it with Big Billy Kinder Outdoors. Billy, are you sinking? It looks like you've got a heck of a hole in your waders there. John Payne and his Tejas Ranch Fence Company know that there's no cookie-cutter approach. Every job, every ranch, every lay of land is unique and custom. We're able to take a look at the owner's intent, the individual characteristics of the property, and really come up with a solution that works for them. We've got a great team here that has a passion for what we do. Your land, our passion. We love bringing out the best in your property. TejasRanchFence.com Hi, I'm Jim Shockey, and I want to make sure that all of our calendars are marked with the dates for our 2023 annual military charity golf event. The dates are March 26th and 27th of 2023. We'll be returning to the Wild Dunes Resort on the Isle of Palms in South Carolina. Now here's the best part. The proceeds from this military charity golf event, supported by Freedom Hunters, 
goes to award the honorable service personnel of our U.S. and Canadian Armed Forces with outdoor adventures. There's no better cause than honoring the courageous men and women that protect our freedom. So go to jimshockeyclassic.com to register. So again, that's March 26th and 27th of 2023 at the Wild Dunes Resort. And by the way, that's the South Carolina coast in the springtime. It doesn't get any better than that. I'll see you there. The state of Nevada offers a special non-resident-only mule deer tag each year, which greatly enhances your chance of getting drawn. But you need to hurry. The deadline is Monday, March 6th. So now is the time to enter. To enter the draw, you need to be sponsored by an outfitter. And that starts at NevadaOutfitters.org. That's NevadaOutfitters.org. This special tag is for non-resident mule deer hunters only. And the draw is just days away. Contact NevadaOutfitters.org today. If you fry your turkeys during the holiday season and you're tired of the hassle of pots, open flames under hot oil, and sticky oily messes, then it's time to take a good look at the Cajun Fryer by R&V Works. The original, the last fryer that you'll ever need to purchase. Cajun Fryer puts pro-level frying gear in your backyard or hunt and fish camp. These are high-performance, low-maintenance deep fryers that feature the heat source in the oil. Your oil heats from the inside out. If your family loves a fish fry, Cajun Fryer is a must. Because the heat source is suspended in the oil, small crumbs and pieces that burn fall to the bottom. So your oil stays much cleaner, many times lasting the entire year. Often imitated, never duplicated. Don't be fooled. Take a look at the original Cajun Fryer at CajunFryer.com. Fresh, crisp, delicious every time. CajunFryer.com Crappie anglers, tired of tying knots? Hey, Wally Marshall, Mr. Crappie here to tell you about the all-new Add-A-Hook by Bullet Weights. The Add-A-Hook is designed to put a hook on your line without using any knots or cutting your line. Hold the Add-A-Hook next to your fishing line, then wrap the line five times around each side, pull your line into the clips, and bam, you're ready to go, and it will not slip. I can tie a double crappie rig in 30 seconds when it takes up to six minutes to tie one with all the knots. Add a hook is made of stainless steel, no rust, flexible, and tough. Mr. Crappie and Bullet Weights has made it better, faster, and easier for crappie fishermen to get back in the water catching more crappie than ever. Bullet Weights has a full line of Mr. Crappie double metal rigs for trolling and vertical fishing. The Mr. Crappie Troll Check rigs are designed to troll in shallow waters and heavy cover, keeping two baits close together without hanging up. Also, don't forget Mr. Crappie Slow Troll and Double Drop Crappie Rigs. Pre-tied with number two hooks, double swivel weights, and eight-pound line. Tie one on today. Look us up at bulletweights.com. Tis the season to be jolly. Deer season, turkey season, dove season, duck season, season backstrap. Come on in to the Kinder Outdoors Camp House. One of these days, I want to be there in Utah for the Delta Snow Goose Festival. They do it about this time of year every year, this time around, coming up on February 24th and 25th at Gunnison Bend Reservoir, uh, where as many as 20,000 geese, primarily snow geese, uh, will be out on the reservoir, and with the exception of a few black tip birds, 
they tell me that it, it, it just looks like a massive snowfall with all those geese out there. And they have a big festival, snow goose viewing and wintertime festival with all the good stuff. Coming up, if you want to go, February 24 and 25, Gunnison Bend Reservoir in Utah. Delta, Utah. The Delta Snow Goose Festival. We were talking about chuckers with Bob West earlier. And, yeah, if you're hunting chuckers, if you're a chucker hunter, you absolutely need to keep Fortiflora <laughs> in the fridge and ready at all times because that kind of a workout will bring on GI upset in our dogs, and Fortiflora will help with that. Okay, Fortiflora. Learn more about Fortiflora when you come see me at kinderoutdoors.com. My friend John Payne and I sat down and had a conversation about pigs not long ago. If you're a rancher, a hunter, a farmer... You've got a nice St. Augustine lawn. <laughs> if you fall in any of those categories, you'll be interested to know what John had to say about managing pigs. Hey, John Payne, Tejas Ranch fans, always good to see you. Great seeing you, Billy. Thanks a lot. I want to talk about pigs. Pigs have become a uh, big topic uh, in, well, not only... Uh, the hunting world over the past number of years, uh, but also if you just if you own a small piece of property, they're gonna if you've got a St. Augustine lawn, that that's a pig patch. They're gonna come in uh, and see you. Let's talk about keeping pigs out. How can we do that? Billy pigs or pigs can be fun. Pigs can be disastrous. Yeah. Pigs can be extremely damaging, as everybody knows. But uh, a hog-proof fence is something that uh, we've been able to achieve for many years we've got a lot of practice and in certain cases they even keep the hogs in yep. uh, i've got buddies that love to hunt pigs and they don't want their pigs getting out they bring pigs in well that's true absolutely and you know where we build fences and hogs happen to still be on the property they can't leave anymore and so uh, they may, may they may leave uh, through other means but they're not going to go through the fence so we, we also find ourselves doing uh, lake development properties, golf courses, and things of the sort because uh, those are real issues in, in terms of turf management, and the pigs obviously can do tons of damage and can even be dangerous. So um, a simple four-foot high tensile wire mesh fence done in the right way and very critically to uh, do the water gaps in, a right, in the right way, which... Uh, something that we pride ourselves in, uh, is a pig-proof fence uh, for sure. Let's talk about, before I get to the water gaps, because that's one of my big questions for you, how do you keep the pigs from getting through uh, the creek bed? Um, along that, that fence on, on level ground, boy, they, they're excellent at, at rooting and squeezing under a fence. They can't get under this? No, they can't. And, um, you know, they, they do root up to it, and... But they, pigs are taller than they are wide, and they really can't root a hole large enough directly underneath. Now, if something else like a coyote or something that made a large hole, and a, for sure a small piglet could pass through. But if we're talking, you know, 100, 150 and, and upward, I have not seen a circumstance where a pig has rooted a hole and gone under the fence. It's going to be part of your regular maintenance. You're dealing with wildlife and wild critters, and ride your fences. Check on things. Make sure everything's good. 
make sure no bad guys have come along with uh, with bolt cutters, wire cutters, and, and done damage. Make sure those pigs are not following uh, a coyote trail and, and making it worse and, and coming and going. Now let's talk about a water gap. I would think it's almost impossible to stop the pigs from escaping or coming in uh, through a creek bed. That's definitely the point that is the most vulnerable in a, in a fence system. And so what we're doing is, you know, on, on a... On a fence, on a perimeter of a property, you've got creeks and streams coming in and creeks and streams that are leaving on many or most properties. And so when you get to the point where the fence crosses the creek, the fence has to be above the, the level of the water. And the reason for that is is that as debris is washed into a, a net wire fence, it, um, it builds up and then the force of the water against that debris into the fence. Um, you know, I'm not an engineer to, to, to be able to tell you, but I can tell you the hydraulic forces there will take, will take a fence down. And so what happens, or what we do, is um, we use a system called the Float Master Water Gap System. It's something that was devised by our field operations manager, Kip Winters, oh, 25 years or so ago, we used repurposed conveyor mining uh, belting, and it's heavy. It weighs two to three pounds per square foot, so it lays it lays down with its own weight, and we we put it together in a way that uh, it's kind of a suspension cable system, where the uh, this water gap system is hinged on this suspension cable. And as the water comes under the fence, the the rubber somewhat floats, hence the float master name. Debris will go under and actually get pushed through with with the flow of the water. And so let's say that you get a little erosion there or um, the as the the flow of the water is is going down that We've got a log down. This rubber mat will conform itself over the, that or... It's still flexible enough to conform to the bottom. That's the point. But, you know, we check our fences three times a week, after, and for sure after every storm. And so it's something that needs to be checked, but it takes lots of the maintenance and hassle out of managing a water gap. In fact, uh, I'd be... I'd be um, very confident in saying it's the easiest water gap to manage uh, available. I'm going to pitch a softball up to you, but you never know what you're going to learn uh, from someone. Feeders. We want to keep pigs out of our corn at our feeders. Everybody's got hog wire up around their, their feeders and all, but you never know, like I said, what you're going to learn. I want to ask the fence man, John Payne. That's what we've done, Billy, is that uh, we'll put a 40 by 40 uh, fence around a feeder, and we're using 26-inch uh, tall uh, high-tensile mesh wire and T-post, and it's something that you can step over to get in and refill the feeder, and it's keeping the hogs out. I, I just learned something because I'm tired of stepping over that, what, three-and-a-half-foot right. uh, hog wire. Uh, it's not real comfortable, if you know what I mean, a lot of times, and uh, so you're getting away with, what you say, 28 inches, 26? 26-inch, uh, yep. Yeah, there's a, a mesh wire that is uh, has seven 
horizontal wires and it's 26 inches tall and so it's the same wire that we use for our predator wire that lays down as an apron on the outside of the fence and uh, we just stand that up around a, uh, a feeder and we've had great success. You go, see, I told you, I'm going to pitch a softball, but I'm going to learn something. John, thanks for your time and expertise. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Billy. Great being with you. I don't know how many miles of Texas ranches and beyond Texas that they have successfully uh, fenced over the years, but it's a bunch. They are the best in the business, Tejas Ranch Fence. A lot of people buying smaller properties. Might want to talk to John. That's what I just did about a piece of property I was looking at. The way he can map it out and go directly to your piece of property online and give you an estimate right there on the spot, pretty amazing. He showed me more about that piece of property than I knew, and I'd been out there researching it a number of times. Hi, I'm Walter Parrott, and when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. Winter at the lake is a wonderful thing. The still, quiet solace of the woods and water at Grapevine Lake offer the perfect opportunity to slow the season down a bit. Tucked away behind a secure gated entry and snuggled on the still shore of Grapevine Lake is the national award-winning Vineyards Campground and Cabins. Full hookups, lightning-fast Wi-Fi, and cable TV at every campsite and cabin keep you connected, even when you're getting away. The vineyard sites and fully furnished cabins are the perfect place to kick off the new year and enjoy the great outdoors. Our unique location makes you feel far away from the hustle and bustle when you're just a few blocks from historic downtown Grapevine, the Christmas capital of Texas, offering shops, restaurants, and all the sights and sounds of the season. Cozy cabins, spacious pull-through sites, and a camp store on site to provide whatever you need. Always keeping your health and safety a priority, come enjoy nature's original way to social distance. Come see us this winter. The Vineyards Campground and Cabins. VineyardsCampground.com Introducing Canyon Valley Provisions. Grass-fed beef is high in omega-3s and conjugated linoleic acid, which is known as CLAs. In layman terms, it's a type of fat that your body can use, and it doesn't damage your heart or any part of your vascular system. Buy better beef for your family. We manage holistically, or some people call it regeneratively. We want everything that we do to be a part of our good stewardship of the land. We think that's what God's put us here to do, so... The cattle are healthy and the land's healthy. We want both. We don't want one or the other. If you were to buy a grass-fed, grass-finished steak by the pound, you'd pay anywhere from 18 to $30 a pound. But if you buy a quarter, half, or whole, you're ranging from anywhere $7.80 and below. So you're paying a third of the price for that steak and, you know, those good cuts. And you get a whole lot more bang for your buck when you buy in bulk. Don't let 2020 happen in your home again. CanyonValleyProvisions.com Raising cattle in West Texas for five generations. There are some very important factors to check when purchasing a hunting blind. They need to be quiet. They need to have an all-day hunt level of comfort. It's got to be dry inside, even in a downpour. Dillon hunting blinds have earned a strong reputation across North America for their durability, insulation, and marine decking fiberglass floor that will never rot in every blind. Plus smart components like an aluminum RV type door, real glass in the windows that flip in and up with quiet and simple to use friction hinges, drip rails on the windows and above the door to keep the wet out. Hey, anyone can build a box. Dylan builds hunting blinds, conceived, drawn up, constructed, and used by hunters. 
lightweight and durable, completely assembled, fiberglass inside and out, with foam insulation in between. You can't beat a Dillon. For a dealer near you or to become a dealer, visit DillonManuf.com. That's D-I-L-L-O-N-M-A-N-U-F.com. Every animal that has ever roamed this planet was designed as hunted or hunter, predator or prey. We are hunters. If it were ever necessary, even the strictest vegan would return to the wild, driven to survive by the instincts of his ancestors. Those who hide behind the soft delusion of their own ignorance do so from within a civilization whose very being costs the lives of countless creatures every single day. Death is an undeniable fuel of life. This is the undeniable truth of existence. To live in balance with the planet that sustains us, we must admit and embrace the nature within us. Trust the hunter in your blood. The Wild Sheep Foundation. Our purpose sounds simple, to put and keep wild sheep on the mountain. But from where we stand to the top of the mountain is a challenging and exciting journey. To be successful, we support the top scientific minds in wildlife research. We tell the story and history of the wild sheep in North America to those around us, like you. And step by step, we protect and grow wild sheep populations. If not for the Wild Sheep Foundation, more than $115 million in care, concern, and conservation work would not have happened over the past 40 years. Important work that has seen our wild sheep populations grow from 25,000 or so in the 1950s to more than 85,000 today. Learn more about the worldwide leader in wild sheep conservation. Secure a membership. Attend a banquet. Bid on an auction item. Make an impact on top of the mountain. WildSheepFoundation.org. <laughs> Our office doesn't look out over the lake. It is the lake. This is Kender Outdoors. Literally looking out over the lake, Grapevine Lake, uh, the, the shorelines of the Vineyards Campground and Cabins, our base camp, our home away from home, where we beacon the blowtorch of Kinder Outdoors across the U.S. and Canada each week. Thanks for hanging out with us. This corner of the camphouse brought to you by Joshua Creek Ranch down in the Texas Hill Country. Joe and Ann Kirchival have hunted and visited all over the globe, all over the world, some really fine spots, and they've brought the best of those places back to their own Texas Hill Country Ranch. And boy, have they built something fantastic. Pay them a visit. Learn more about Joshua Creek Ranch when you visit me at kinderoutdoors.com. At last year's Red Crest event, Major League Fishing's Championship, I had a chance to hang out with Berkeley fishing pro John Cox for a little while. They've got some really effective stuff for the upcoming spawn and throughout the fishing season. If you don't have some Berkeley in your bag, you should. I can't believe it. I'm walking around a fishing show, a fishing expo, a Red Crest fishing expo, and I ran into John Cox. How you doing, man? Oh, man, awesome. I love to be here, man. What Grand Lake's an awesome place to have a tournament like this, and, man, this place is packed. Yeah, it is. It's a fun lake. 
And everybody kind of wondered, how's the expo going to go? It's the first one ever. Well, gee whiz. Yeah, I mean, this place, it's great. I mean, it's it's got everybody's here, yeah. and uh, it's kind of cool. We're all in one room. they got the big stage set up with, you know, the big screens where we're watching the live and stuff. Uh, it's just, it's it's really cool atmosphere. Yeah. And one really cool thing about being a professional angler is they throw stuff in your boat. They, Berkeley says, John Cox, let me throw stuff in your boat. Let's look at what they're throwing in your boat these days, okay? Tell us about Berkeley 2022. What are you fired up about? Man, I'm telling you, so the scientists at Berkeley, like, they work, they work super hard, and they are bringing us new stuff constantly. And uh, that's my favorite part of the job is when I get that box of new stuff, I get to go out and test them out. And when I find something, I'm like, hey, this, this fits me perfect. Now, wait a minute. You would rather be on the front of your boat testing baits than sitting in a boardroom in a meeting somewhere? <laughs> I do have the best job ever. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. uh, i got to tell you, the Maxent stuff, when it came out a few years ago, it changed fishing for me. I love this stuff. It does what it says it'll do. Right, yeah, the Maxent stuff, I mean, it was just, that was a complete game changer for me. I mean, it honestly swapped out, uh, you know, 60% of the lures I was using, wow. I swapped over to Maxent because it was just so, it just, it caught more fish, you know. Yeah. And the uh, the colors and actions, it's just, a, it's a little different uh, than what the fish have seen before. And, uh, man, it's just, stuff's killer. I'm one of those guys that if I'm sitting on a brush pile in 30 foot of water and the bite is on, the bite is good. But I look up there in three foot of water and there's a bush. I'm going to the bush, John. I can't help it. And I've always got a Maxent bug on the deck, so I can throw it in that bush. Yo, man, that's the same thing with me. That's that's me 100%. I go to the bank, throw those bushes, even when they're not in those bushes. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's, uh, yeah. You, uh, you gained a lot of fame when you took an aluminum boat and jumped it over a beaver dam or something and, and won a bunch of money one time. Uh, fishing's been good to you. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I love it. And, uh, you know, the last you know, 10, 15, 20 years, whatever it's been, it's just been a blast. I mean, I'm getting to go fishing every day. Yeah. Um, you can't ask for anything more than that. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. And you're still fishing out of an aluminum boat. Yeah, I'm still running the Crestliner. I think uh, I think we're going on 12 or 13, 14 years, whatever. I mean, gosh, time is flying. Yeah. Uh, but now we got a big, giant uh, MX-21 now. Got a 250 on it. Um, There's no difference in that and a big fiberglass. Yeah. Except you're lighter. A little bit lighter, yeah, and just a lot more deck room and uh, super sturdy on the water. I mean, that's it is the best fishing boat. Uh, once you get to your spot and fish, I mean, it is just it's an awesome fishing yeah. boat. Yeah, it is. John, if you would, just step through a few of these baits real quick and show us what we're looking at. Oh, man, these this is just, there's so much good stuff right here. Um, but, like, so for me, um, I got a win last year right there. That's a Fritzide 5 in that exact color that's good. Uh, that is the Lone Ranger color. Um, you know, won a pro circuit on that one. First time I ever even got that bait. I, I won the tournament on it. Wow. And yeah. you know what? Now's a great time to be throwing that Fritz side, these free spawn females. They're out there right where, you know, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a great one. The War Pig's an awesome one, um, you know, especially for this time of year. Uh, I haven't really done too much of, uh, you know, the Bad Shad and the Digger, uh, but this square bill here. That, that sucker, man, I, I throw that around trees and everything so when the water is cold and do really well on that one, too. And, um, gosh, I mean, they got everything here. We've got our new jigs down here that have the power bait cooked into the skirt. You know, it's, really? a, it's crazy that that's, that's new now. You know, yeah. like, I feel like that's something that should have been done, long. Been done a long time. It was a lot of work, and I believe it. And now that it's in there, I mean, it's just it's going to change everything about our jig fishing. Here's the most important question of our time together, John Cox, okay? Do you have a key to this box? <laughs> I wish I did because 
some of this stuff, I've been trying to get some of these colors, yeah. and uh, everybody's been buying them all up, so I haven't been able to. So I would love to. We need to go find this key. Yeah, I mean, uh, who's up the ladder? Uh, is, uh, who's the next fisherman I can talk to around here that might have a little more seniority? Is Justin Lucas around somewhere? Yeah, I think Justin Lucas gets up. He get, does he got a key? I'm sure he's got two keys for him. I'm looking for Justin Lucas. John, congratulations. What a great career, man. Thanks for talking to us. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Having a little fun with Major League Fishing Pro. John Cox. I love the Berkeley stuff and the purple bag. That Max Scent stuff works so well. And now, check this out. Brand new Berkeley Scent on hard baits. The Berkeley Scented Flicker Shad, which has been a very popular bass and walleye bait, now has inserts with a strip of Scent Plus pockets that hold and disperse Berkeley Gulp. I need to get back to Bass Pro Shop. Try those out. Hey, listen, just because spring and summer are rolling around, that doesn't mean you have to put the rifle or the bow away. Have you ever considered an Axis deer hunt? Boy, I would highly recommend it. Not only is it a challenging hunt, available in the spring, summer, fall, winter, whenever, but it's tremendous table fare, too. I had a conversation with my friend Larry Wysoon about Axis deer. And you're right, they are absolutely fantastic when it comes to the dinner table. Yep, they are. Last Friday evening, uh, I ran down and bought some pretty nice shrimp, and I, I cubed up some of that scrap from that last axis deer we shot, and I kebobbed those shrimp and uh, the little chunks of axis deer. Uh, you don't want to overcook that. Cook them just about as long as you'd cook a shrimp. So that makes a pretty good kebab right there. Oh, I know it does. I've done the same thing with a few other things as well in, in, involving that axis deer. But that axis deer, even on really the big bucks, you know, so very often you take a big old mature animal and you go, ooh, this thing's going to be tough. Even on those really big, old, mature axis deer, they're very tender and have an absolutely fabulous flavor. They absolutely do. And one of the cool things about uh, axis deer in Texas, they're an exotic. This is one of the few places they exist in uh, in, the, in our continent. Uh, they're an exotic. You can hunt them in the hottest the heat of summer. You really can. I'll tell you what, some of the best hunting for them, particularly if you're interested in the bigger antlers, is generally in June is when their primary rut is. Of course, they'll breed throughout the year as well. There's, there's always a hard-antlered buck of some sort somewhere within that herd. So those animals do breed throughout the year. But still, like I said, June is one of their top times, early July, because that's when they're out there really chasing the does. So if you uh, have to put the deer rifle up in, in January, and by golly, you can't get it out again until next November, there are some options. And State of Texas uh, offers a couple of public land hunts uh, that are pretty good uh, down in your part of the country where you can go shoot these axis deer uh, unlimited because they're an exotic species. And odds are pretty good that if you get drawn, that you're going to take an axis deer home with you. Oh, absolutely you will. Like I said, that population has been increasing over the last several years. They're both browsers and grazers, so they take advantage of whatever food that's there, and their reproduction rate's fairly high. And beyond all that, I mean, they're the people call them a lot of times the most beautiful deer in the world. And you look at their antlers, they're spotted all year round, so you've got a great set of horns to put on the wall or antlers you got a hide that makes absolutely a beautiful throw rug if you like or all kinds of other things you can use as far as furniture is concerned but again that venison is just doesn't get any better and when you're boning him out make sure you don't lose an inch of that uh, on there what are we going to shoot that deer with anyway when we get ready to go larry absolutely well usually when i'm shooting deer for uh meat like that i'm going to try to do a head shot as much as i can i'll use the same deer rifle that an army is one of the rigors that i use and particularly in the last four years the last two years now the Ruger American, generally in a 270 or 30-06, and I always shoot Hornady ammo as well. I do a lot of my axis deer hunting at Joshua Creek Ranch, famous for their upland birds, but listen, 
You ought to talk to them about this low-fence, free-range axis herd. It's a phenomenal hunt and a phenomenal place to stay. Joshua Creek Ranch. It's really exciting to see right now. Uh, one thing that's great about archery is anybody can do it. Men, women, or children, everybody can do this. Um, our lessons right now are fantastic. We see entire family groups come in, have a great time, and they're finding out that this is something that is a great pastime, great sport, and everybody can be successful at. Americans are learning what a huge benefit it is to learn to hunt, learn to fish, learn to put safe and wholesome food on our tables. Cinnamon Creek Archery in Roanoke, Texas, has taught many thousands of families about the great sport of archery. People who thought they could just never do that now enjoy the range and harvesting their own wild game. You can't just sell somebody a bow and say, hey, good luck. You need to be able to take them aside, teach them the fundamentals, teach them how to shoot correctly so that they can be as successful as possible and really enjoy our sport. Visit CinnamonCreekRanch.com and discover the great knowledge and satisfaction that so many other families have found in archery. The Quail Coalition has drawn the line. Quail decline stops here. South and West Texas and Western Oklahoma are the last strong natural regions for wild bobwhite quail. We've all watched the drastic decline across the southern states of the iconic bobwhite. The Quail Coalition has vowed to do all within human power to not only stop quail decline, but build a future where the quail will flourish across all of its original habitat. If true quail conservation is important to you, please visit quailcoalition.org. Consider a membership, attend one of our fundraising banquets, and please consider starting a chapter in your home state. Together, let's sustain and restore huntable wild quail populations. Let's encourage and educate interested youth. Let's keep the most brilliant quail minds on earth working on a bright future for our quails. The first step, visit our website, quailcoalition.org. National outdoor writer Ken Kirkaby knows of what he writes. I think I probably hunted in just about every western state. Uh, yeah, and I fly fished in a lot of those places. He's fished the waters, walked the land, and harvested the game that makes him authentic. That's where the basis of that comes from. I wanted to make this really authentic, and I wanted people to identify with it. Guys like you and I have a real hard time finding good stuff to read, because it's written by guys that just don't know what the heck they're writing about. And guys like you and I, we read two pages and we say, hey... That's phony. This is, this is not the way it is. Ever since The Old Man in the Sea, fishing novels have been scarce on the horizon. That was until national outdoor writer Ken Kirkaby wrote his blue water classic, The Tournament. Chuck Winchler of Sporting Classics says you can read The Tournament in about the time it takes to catch a big marlin. And every moment will be just as fun, just as exciting. Jennifer Mayhall of Paradise This Week says, The Tournament reels you into the world of sport fishing and doesn't let you go. The Tournament by Ken Kirkaby. Get it on Amazon. Dove hunting in Argentina is well documented, but as my friends at JJ Caseria, Cordoba Doves will tell you, the duck hunting is unmatched anywhere in the world. Lane Balky is the U.S. representative for JJ Caseria. The duck lodge uh, is in Corrientes. We shoot 30 ducks in the morning and 10 per days in the afternoon. We have 11 different species of ducks. We have a duck season from the 15th of April to the 31st of August. You are assured before you ever leave American soil that you're going to feel welcome and at home when you hunt with your new friends at J.J. Castelleria. Our lodge is beautiful. It's four years old. 
It has 10 double bedrooms, all with private baths, all heated and air conditioned. Uh, it's very comfortable. We don't put on air, so you'll feel as relaxed in the lodge as you do in your living room. Hunt world-class doves and ducks in Argentina. Plan next year now by visiting cordobadoves.com. My name is Jose Grasso, the owner of JJ Caseria. Can see me in Argentina. Smells like fish in here, and we're proud of it. Welcome to camp at Kinder Outdoors. You know, when folks like Beretta, Shooting Sportsman, Orvis, all step up to the plate and say, you know what, Joshua Creek Ranch, that's a place we endorse. That's a place we recommend. You've got a pretty safe and sure bet there. The best bird hunting in Texas, five-star lodging, dining, and folks. Learn more about Joshua Creek Ranch in the Texas Hill Country when you visit me at kinderoutdoors.com, K-I-N-D-E-R. It may be the technique that put him in the Hall of Fame. Gary Klein, flipping and pitching. He's made a lot of money flipping and pitching for big green bass through the years. Well, on this February morning, let's have a cup of coffee and a lesson from the legend himself. Flipping and pitching with Gary Klein. One of the key things... For me, growing up as a young fisherman, you know, I was 15 years old and I met D. Thomas. And D. Thomas is truly the father of flipping. He's the one that invented the technique. So in my early years, I was kind of like D.'s son. You know, he has three daughters, so I was the son that he never had. And spent a lot of time in the boat with him learning the technique. But there's so much more to flipping and pitching than just the technique. And let's just kind of start at the beginning, and I'll try to run through it real quick. Pitching and flipping is nothing more than a technique. It's a way to present a lure to shallow water cover that the fish are living in or using or around. But one of the advantages to flipping and pitching is that unlike casting, your accuracy is almost 100%. And you always hear me talk about a pattern within a pattern. And, folks, I cannot stress this enough a lot of times the fish like to be in the cover a lot of times they're on the back side of the cover and when you're flipping and pitching because you're so precise with your lure presentation you really get a chance to experience that it's almost like being up close and personal like bow hunting you actually get to develop a relationship with the animals i tell you what it's it's so much fun for me to go down a bank i caught my first double digit fish with a jig flipping, pitching, and uh, it's just so much fun to go down through there and visualize that next piece of cover and then pick it apart. Well, not only that, too, because especially when you get on a bite where the fish are really nice size, around the bushes, the buck bushes, or maybe in a lay-down tree or something, when that lure is presented to that fish, he's there for a reason. He's, he's ready to feed, and bass are pretty pretty aggressive, but on a big fish, you can't see him below the water, so a lot of times your lure presentation may be on the back side of the fish. That fish is going to move a lot of real estate when he swings his body around to get to the bait. That's when you see the bush move, or the logs move, or the debris, or the big boil. And it is. It's really, really exciting. Yeah, and the blood pressure starts going up in anticipation. Uh, do you modify your jigs in any way, uh, or does that have to do with the, the situation you're in? Well, uh, both of those comments are true. I mean, the the lures that I use today, let's let, let me just say first of all, 
when you are using the the flipping or pitching technique, most of the time anglers across this country have been conditioned to using a single hook, like a jig with a weed guard on it or a Texas rig plastic worm where the hook is not exposed. That allows the bait to be fished in heavy cover without getting hung up. But flipping, like I said earlier, is just a technique, and it's really important not to really get hung up on, on the lures as much because I flip a lot of spinnerbaits. Um, you know, pitching and flipping a spinnerbait is very efficient. Again, it's a piece of lead on a wire frame that has a single hook, so it is very weedless. But I have literally flipped almost every type of lure that you conventionally cast, from big square bills uh, to a three-quarter ounce Hopkins spoon. I got on a bite one time flipping down a rock bank, and I was actually catching them on a spoon better than I could anything else. So you have to be open-minded with the technique. But here's the advantages to flipping and pitching. I've already covered the fact that your percentages, once you learn the technique, got to practice it, is almost 100%. You can put the lure... Uh, anywhere you want to. I mean, on the back side, front side, down the middle. But because you're using a rod that is usually extended in length, the length of the rod gives you the leverage. And along with the technique, you have the tendency to use heavier lines. In other words, I'll flip a lot of 25, 30, 40. Oh, now we flip a lot of braid. Um, so you have an advantage as far as you don't have to worry about your line breaking. But because you have a rod that has length, it gives you, the angler, the ability to lead the fish away from the cover or out of the cover once you set the hook. And, you know, when you have a bass that's hooked in the mouth, he's going to go where the pressure takes him. And you can direct his you can direct his direction with the length of the rod. So length of the rod, larger line, and yes, on the hooks that we're using, because everything is such close quarters, you don't have a lot of stretch factor involved, we have the tendency to use a, uh, a thicker diameter hook uh, or maybe a, what, you, what uh, you hear called a wide bite hook, something that's got a bigger bite. So, yeah, it's all a combination of everything. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, let's let's build a, a flipping rod real quick for some folks. You're a ducket guy. Uh, tell me about your rod, and I bet you want a real fast reel on there too. Exactly, uh, because the reel when you're flipping and pitching does nothing more than pull the line in. Inches per turn of the handle, that's all a reel does. So I have the tendency to use a high-speed reel. And at Ducket, we have a 360 that is a 7.3 to 1, so it's relatively quick. But also, when you go to a larger diameter line, you're also increasing the gear retrieve or the inches per turn of the handle on that reel. So, yeah, but my perfect rod is a Ducket. Uh, we have a Micromagic rod. It's a 7.9. It is a parabolic bend flip stick and an 8-foot in the white ice line. An 8-foot Gary Klein flip stick, parabolic, with a 9.5-inch handle on it. So all the rod is out in front of the real seat itself. So, I'm, again, I'm trying to give an angler an advantage by extending the rod length. When do we set the hook, uh, Gary? Uh, when we see our line swimming off? When? Well, I tell you, that's real important because we had just covered the fact that it's in close battling. You see everything going on. You watch the bush move. I'm wanting to set the hook when that bush wiggles. Exactly. And as a rule of thumb, I never set the hook until I feel the weight of the fish. And what I, I do it real quick. But when I see a strike or I detect a strike, I'm actually going to lift the rod tip until I feel the weight of the fish and set the hook. And just a real quick example, a lot of times I've been on bodies of water where the fish are really on a good crawdad bite. So I'm fishing a brown jig, brown red jig, brown orange jig, black 
bread, something that's resembling a crawdad. Well, a lot of times a bass, his initial movement on a crawdad will be to basically grind it into the bottom and injure that crawdad. And one way you experience that, you get on a good jig bite and you're starting, you know, you set the hook. You'll hook a lot of these fish on the outside of the mouth. So normally what I'll do when I experience that, I'll get the bite on a jig, and then I'll just pick up on it. And if the fish is not there, then I'll just kind of jig it a little bit, and he'll get it. You know, he's going to get that bait. So, yeah, as a rule of thumb, never set the hook until you feel the weight of the fish. This is a Kinder Outdoors Conservation Minute. A focus on people that make a difference. At the Outdoors Tomorrow Foundation, we're really happy to have more than 50,000 kids in school classrooms learning about archery, fishing, boating, and other outdoor skills each year. We're thrilled that we have grown to schools across the United States and continue to grow. We're humbled that teaching wildlife conservation to our future generations have been so eagerly accepted by more than a quarter million kids so far. We're happy, thrilled, and humbled. But we're not stopping. The Outdoor Adventures program in junior highs and high schools across America has proven to be a hit with kids. And in case after case, we've seen Outdoor Adventures' young lives changed. Kids that just were not into school and not involved are now excited to get into the classroom each day because of Outdoor Adventures. The kids earn classroom credit by learning the outdoor basics, and they smile while learning. If you want Outdoor Adventures in your local school, contact me. Scott McClure. I'm at GoOTF.com. That's Scott at GoOTF.com. Preserving what we love and educating the next generation every day. To learn more, visit us at KinderOutdoors.com. Hey, if you missed anything in this first hour of the show, stick around because we're going to relive it all and you can catch us online, KinderOutdoors.com. Uh, and find a copy of the show there. It doesn't go away tomorrow. It'll still be there waiting for you on your drive to work or the lake or wherever. Let's stretch our legs and grab a biscuit and sausage, and we'll meet you right back here in the camp house at Kinder Outdoors. Hunters and fishermen are the backbone of conservation. Because you participate in the outdoors, our fish and wildlife and the places they inhabit flourish. Thank you from all of us in the camp house at Kinder Outdoors. Hey, welcome back to Kinder Outdoors brought to you by Purina Pro Plan. Let's get a dog training lesson from one of the best all time, Bob West, talking about the forced or trained retrieve. Hey, Bob, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Uh, let me talk to you a little bit about retrieving. Uh, a lot of times, the guys, and, and you and I have heard it a lot, they get a, uh, uh, a new young protege, a bird dog that, uh, boy, this guy just tears the field up. He's really good. Oh, and he's a natural retriever. I don't like that. No, that's not good enough. At some point, Bill, they're going to disappoint you. You know, we... Uh, what about across the creek and the dog hasn't been associated with water real well? Yeah. He might not go over there. Might go over there, pick the bird up, bring it back to the shore, and lay it down, come back to you. Yeah. So 
it doesn't matter which breed. The dogs that are going to be in competition or, or you want a dependable guide, dog to guide with or whatever, you're going to force break them. I don't care if they're a, a natural retrieving breed or an English setter that retrieves naturally as a puppy. I would advise you to get the book, get some videos, and find out and go through the, the force breaking process. Yeah. It's not a... Uh, it's not as bad as it sounds. It's, let's talk about it as a trained retrieve rather than a forced thing. But right. what, what you also find out is that that rounds out your whole program with your dog. Yeah. A dog that has been forced trained to retrieve is steadier. Uh, just their obedience is uh, rounded out is the best way yeah. I can say it. It's a complete dog. And unless you do that, you don't have a complete dog in my book. That completes your dog. And don't assume that every trainer uh, that trains pointing dogs also uh, works on force fetch because a lot of them don't. Ronnie Smith doesn't force fetch. What I have found in uh, in the pointing dog world, there are people who specialize in force yeah work and and the other the other folks do a lot of the you know the steadiness obedience the pattern work and all that stuff but they do have people that force break them and uh, but more and more uh in what i would call more in the modern times they're they're they are force trained and all yeah. the dogs even some of your top pointing breeds that aren't required to retrieve in their particular event You'd be surprised. Some of them are all, they're force broke, and they get a bird once in a while in training. Let me ask you about this. I've always done my force fetching at the end of, uh, that's the last step in my formal training. Uh, but I heard about a guy recently who starts there, starts with the force fetch. What are your thoughts? My opinion on that is you need them woe broke first. Other, I, I like to teach in small, incremental, understandable attainable places where a dog can reach a comfort level and you're, you're not only teaching a behavior you're setting up a mode where this dog understands and looks forward to training enjoys training and learning and so you have to have these levels of accomplishment to me to start the force retrieve process before the dog is steady there you you have a problem holding the dog. He doesn't know why you're holding him and why you're saying fetch. So it, to to explain, if he's woe broke, okay, he's standing there, he's steady. He knows not to move till I tell him. Yeah. Okay, now in the very beginning, I teach him how to hold. And but there is going to come to a point where I'm going to teach him to reach for the dummy. Yeah. If he doesn't know to be steady, he's he's reaching before you're. It just gets all messed up. So I would say take it in steps. Um, but I do believe we used to, and uh, when I first started working dogs, we'd wait till their second year or so to force break them. Hmm. We're, we're steadying them now at six months and so, and we're teaching them. We're teaching to retrieve in that time phase somewhere there. Yeah. There, the younger dogs, and, and with more of a teaching mode as we do nowadays, um, they can they can be brought to pretty high levels by a year and a half, two years yeah. old. So yeah. I say bring it in there. But 
if a different trainer likes to do it this way or that, it doesn't matter. What's more critical is that he's done all the other foundation work down below that because yeah. the, the force re retrieve isn't, in my book, the first thing you're going to do. You're going to teach them to heal. You're going to teach them what no means. You're going to teach them to come when you call them and some of that foundation work. And I like to steady them to wing and shot or at least get them steady to whoa yeah. before I go with the force retrieve. Hey, Bob, here's what I want to see you do. Uh, we're giving you a homeroom assignment today on Big Billy Kinder Outdoors, okay? We want you to produce a good force fetch video that we can all learn from. You're a great communicator. You're a great dog trainer. Uh, shouldn't only It should take you only a day or two. Could you knock that out for us? <laughs> yeah, I could knock that out for you, but it takes more than a day or two. It <laughs> takes about 15 years of learning how to do it and then yeah. producing it, but... Gundog Magazine, there is one we did about seven years ago. Oh, so you've got one out there. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, there's right. force fetch. Yeah, we did, um, we did one on starting puppies, and we did one on intermediate, and then we did one on advanced pointing dogs. And, uh, Terrific. It's in Gundog Magazine. Make sure at the end of the day that you're feeding Purina Pro Plan Performance Formula in the purple sport bag. 30% protein, 20% fat. Hey, it's at Atwood's Ranch and Home Stores. Some of the most outstanding memories in Brendan's young life have been the hunting trips that he takes with Dad. Duck, doves, quail. But the good times aren't just reserved for the dove field or the deer blind. They all start in the cab of that classic Chevrolet. When you pull out of the drive. Um, the corner store, you get a snack, and you get to stop at Bucky's. Because it's Bucky's. Yeah. <laughs> it's fun hiding from the cold with Dad in a duck blind. And the ice doesn't seem that bad out in that old flat-bottom boat for a little while. A decoy, he starts it up. And sometimes the decoys make noises, I think. Or if, it does, if that doesn't work, he just uses his call. And then they just... Come, but sometimes we come back with nothing. But home away from home is that classic Chevrolet. I love sleeping in the car and then waking up still in the car as well. I can just feel the comfort knowing that will be fun. At Classic Chevrolet, we sell memory makers. Come get yours. ClassicChevrolet.com The state of Nevada offers a special non-resident only mule deer tag each year, which greatly enhances your chance of getting drawn. But you need to hurry. The deadline is Monday, March 6th. So now is the time to enter. To enter the draw, you need to be sponsored by an outfitter. And that starts at NevadaOutfitters.org. That's NevadaOutfitters.org. This special tag is for non-resident mule deer hunters only. And the draw is just days away. Contact NevadaOutfitters.org today. John Payne and his Tejas Ranch Fence Company know that there's no cookie-cutter approach. Every job. Every ranch, every lay of land is unique and custom. We're able to take a look at the owner's intent, the individual characteristics of the property, and really come up with a solution that works for them. We've got a great team here that has a passion for what we do. Your land, our passion. We love bringing out the best in your property. TejasRanchFence.com Winter at the lake is a wonderful thing. The still, quiet solace of the woods and water at Grapevine Lake offer the perfect opportunity to slow the season down a bit. Tucked away behind a secure gated entry and snuggled on the still shore of Grapevine Lake is the national award-winning Vineyards Campground and Cabins. 
full hookups, lightning-fast Wi-Fi, and cable TV at every campsite and cabin keep you connected, even when you're getting away. The vineyard sites and fully furnished cabins are the perfect place to kick off the new year and enjoy the great outdoors. Our unique location makes you feel far away from the hustle and bustle when you're just a few blocks from historic downtown Grapevine, the Christmas capital of Texas, offering shops, restaurants, and all the sights and sounds of the season. Cozy cabins, spacious pull-through sites, and a camp store on site to provide whatever you need. Always keeping your health and safety a priority. Come enjoy nature's original way to social distance. Come see us this winter. The Vineyards Campground and Cabins. VineyardsCampground.com After spending a few days at Joshua Creek Ranch, I describe it as a sportsman's nirvana. We love creating a unique experience for each of our guests. You know, the interests can vary here from wing shooting to deer hunting to fly fishing to river kayaking. So we have a great variety of guests, and um, we like for them to enjoy everything we have to offer. As I enjoyed the birth of a new day over the rolling hill country ranch that is Joshua Creek, I was amazed at the wildlife, quail, pheasants, native white-tailed deer, trophy class axis deer. We've worked hard on the habitat, planted improved grasses, really with the help of some wildlife biologists studied what would make the best habitat to keep our game here. Mm -hmm. We can hunt easily six, seven, eight groups. And we don't try to do it on 40 acres. I mean, these people get to walk. They get to see some country. Joe and Ann Kirchival invite you to enjoy this free-range ranch just northwest of San Antonio. Visit joshuacreek.com. salty coastline breeze in Florida to the crashing shores of the great northwest and all prairies, woods, and waters in between, Kinder Outdoors is there. If you missed it, just about an hour ago, we were talking to John Payne with Tejas Fence Company. He has, golly, he's built fence in fertile ground. He's drilled holes in rocks. He has worked his way through thick cedar brush. He has built Four-foot fence, six-foot fence, eight-foot fence, creek crossings, he's done it all. And even found a way to keep the pigs out. Hey, John Payne, Tejas Ranch fans, always good to see you. Great seeing you, Billy. Thanks a lot. I want to talk about pigs. Pigs have become a uh, big topic uh, in, well, not only... Uh, the hunting world over the past number of years, uh, but also if you just if you own a small piece of property, they're gonna if you've got a St. Augustine lawn, that that's a pig patch. They're gonna come in uh, and see you. Let's talk about keeping pigs out. How can we do that? Billy pigs or pigs can be fun. Pigs can be disastrous. Yeah. Pigs can be extremely damaging, as everybody knows. But uh, a hog-proof fence is something that uh, we've been able to achieve for many years we've got a lot of practice and in certain cases they even keep the hogs in Uh, i've got buddies that love to hunt pigs and they don't want their pigs getting out they bring pigs in well that's true absolutely and you know where we build fences and hogs happen to still be on the property they can't leave anymore and so uh, they may may, they may leave uh, through other means but they're not going to go through the fence so we, we also find ourselves doing uh, 
lake development properties, golf courses, and things of the sort, because uh, those are real issues in terms of turf management. And the pigs obviously can do tons of damage and can even be dangerous. So um, a simple four-foot high tensile wire mesh fence done in the right way and very critically to uh, do the water gaps in, a right, in the right way, which uh, is something that we pride ourselves in, uh, is a pig-proof fence uh, for sure. Let's talk about before I get to the water gaps, because that's one of my big questions for you. How do you keep the pigs from getting through uh, the creek bed? Um, along that, that fence on, on level ground, boy, they, they're excellent at, at rooting and squeezing under a fence. They can't get under this? No, they can't. And, um, you know, they, they do root up to it. And, but they, pigs are taller than they are wide. And they really can't root a hole large enough directly underneath. Now, if something else like a coyote or something that made a large hole, and a, for sure a small piglet could pass through. But if we're talking, you know, 100, 150 and, and upward, I have not seen a circumstance where a pig has rooted a hole and gone under the fence. It's going to be part of your regular maintenance. You're dealing with wildlife and wild critters, and ride your fences. Check on things. Make sure everything's good. Make sure no bad guys have come along with uh, with bolt cutters, wire cutters, and, and done damage. Make sure those pigs are not following uh, a coyote trail and, and making it worse and, and coming and going. Now let's talk about a water gap. I would think it's almost impossible to stop the pigs from escaping or coming in uh, through a creek bed. That's definitely the point that is the most vulnerable in a, in a fence system. And so what we're doing is, you know, on, on, a, on a fence, on a perimeter of a property, you've got creeks and streams coming in and creeks and streams that are leaving on many or most properties. And so when you get to the point where the fence crosses the creek, the fence has to be above the, the level of the water. And the reason for that is is that as debris is washed into a, a net wire fence, it, um, it builds up, and then the force of the water against that debris into the fence. Um, you know, I'm not an engineer to, to, to be able to tell you, but I can tell you the hydraulic forces there will take, will take a fence down. And so what happens, or what we do, is... Um, we use a system called the Float Master Water Gap System. It's something that was devised by our field operations manager, Kip Winters, oh, 25 years or so ago. We used repurposed conveyor mining uh, belting, and it's heavy. It weighs two to three pounds per square foot, so it lays, it lays down with its own weight, and we, we put it together in a way that uh, it's kind of a suspension cable system where the, uh, this water gap system is hinged on this suspension cable. And as the water comes under the fence, the, the rubber somewhat floats, hence the float master name. Debris will go under and actually get pushed through with, with the flow of the water. And so... Let's say that you get a little erosion there or um, the, as the, the flow of the water is, is going down that we've got a log down. 
this rubber mat will conform itself over the, that or it's still flexible enough to conform to the bottom. That's the point. But, you know, we check our fences three times a week after, and for sure after every storm. And so it's something that needs to be checked, but it takes lots of the maintenance and hassle out of managing a water gap. In fact, uh, I'd be, I'd be uh, very confident in saying it's the easiest water gap to manage uh, available. I'm going to pitch a softball up to you, but you never know what you're going to learn uh, from someone. Feeders. We want to keep pigs out of our corn at our feeders. Everybody's got hog wire up around their, their feeders and all, but you never know, like I said, what you're going to learn. I want to ask the fence man, John Payne. That's what we've done, Billy, is that uh, we'll put a 40 by 40 uh, fence around a feeder, and we're using 26-inch uh, tall uh, high tensile mesh wire and T-post, and it's something that you can step over to get in and refill the feeder, and it's keeping the hogs out. I just learned something because I'm tired of stepping over that, what, three-and-a-half-foot uh, hog wire. Uh, it's not real comfortable, if you know what I mean, a lot of times. And uh, so you're getting away with, what you say, 28 inches, 26? 26-inch, uh, yep. Yeah, there's a, a mesh wire that is uh, has seven horizontal wires, and it's 26 inches tall. And so it's the same wire that we use for our predator wire that lays down as an apron on the outside of the fence. And... Uh, we just stand that up around a uh, a feeder, and we've had great success. There you go. See, I told you I'm going to pitch a softball, but I'm going to learn something. John, thanks for your time and expertise. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Billy. Great being with you. This is a Kinder Outdoors Conservation Minute, a focus on people that make a difference. At the Outdoors Tomorrow Foundation, we're really happy to have more than 50,000 kids in school classrooms learning about archery, fishing, boating, and other outdoor skills each year. We're thrilled that we have grown to schools across the United States and continue to grow. We're humbled that teaching wildlife conservation to our future generations have been so eagerly accepted by more than a quarter million kids so far. We're happy, thrilled, and humbled. But we're not stopping. The Outdoor Adventures program in junior highs and high schools across America has proven to be a hit with kids. And in case after case, we've seen Outdoor Adventures' young lives changed. Kids that just were not in the school and not involved are now excited to get into the classroom each day because of Outdoor Adventures. The kids earn classroom credit by learning the outdoor basics, and they smile while learning. If you want Outdoor Adventures in your local school, Contact me, Scott McClure. I'm at GoOTF.com. That's Scott at GoOTF.com. Preserving what we love and educating the next generation every day. To learn more, visit us at KinderOutdoors.com. Thank you to my friends at Purina Pro Plan for bringing us this corner of the camp house at Kinder Outdoors. Even if your dog has an itchy coat or an intolerance to grain, any kind of special condition, hey, there's a Pro Plan formula specifically built for your dog. Pick it up at Atwoods. Can you imagine 20 plus sailfish in a single day? Welcome to Costa Rica's rich fishing history. The marlin catch is as good as any spot on earth. Blue marlin, sailfish, mahi, and tuna. From the moment your feet touch down in beautiful Costa Rica, 
You'll discover a new love in your life. The landscape, the people, the food, the salty air and year-round fishable temperatures and calm waters. At Carib Sea Sport Fishing, we're prepared for your group with a fleet of some of the most successful vessels in this sport fishing area. Call your buddies or make it a couple's trip to Costa Rica. Enjoy world-class Caribbean sport fishing, endless shopping, beaches, spectacular wildlife. Discover the landscape by horseback. Carib Sea Sport Fishing offers a variety of trips, offshore, inshore, overnight, half-day, full-day, every day. Come see us now at catchafishincostarica.com. Whether I'm still hunting January whitetails in wintry West Texas, November pheasants in snowy South Dakota, crappie through the Minnesota ice, or big brown trout in the cold waters of the Ozarks in the fall, I know that I'm going to be warm and comfortable enough to go all day long. It starts with foundational protection from the frigid extremes. My basics and essentials are Buffalo Wool Company socks, gloves, and neck gaiter. Here's Ron Miskin with Buffalo Wool. Well, I was really surprised when I got pictures back. He sent, went and did a 330-mile snowmobile trek up in Alaska, negative 30, Jason Muscox. He said second day he quit wearing his choppers, just wearing our gloves and hat. The buffalo fiber you make your products from actually warmer than wool. Oh, yeah, much warmer than wool, a lot more durable. These are meant to be used and used hard. Learn the secret of the buffalo, thebuffalowoolco.com, thebuffalowoolco.com. From the deck of your private cabin overlooking the confluence of the famous White and Norfolk Rivers at Norfolk Resort Trout Dock, you can see crystal clear running waters that hold one of the world's greatest populations of rainbow and ground trout. In fact, this is the home of world record trout. You might be distracted, though, by the beautiful rolling Ozark Mountains that hold you during your stay. Just up the road a few miles is incredible bass fishing for largemouth, smallmouth, and spots. You'll find the best guides in the business at Norfolk Resort, and your boat is just a short walk from your cabin. Your guide will find a gravel shoal perfect for preparing a hot shore lunch with fresh-caught trout and all the trimmings. You'll think about a nap after lunch, but there's more fish to catch and river to explore before retiring to your fully furnished riverside hideaway. Sound good? Of course it does. Norfolk Resort Trout Dock in Norfolk, Arkansas. NorfolkResort.com Ag Texas. The name itself says trust, honesty, strength, and tradition. Ag Texas has from the get-go been dedicated to the prosperity of agriculture and rural America. The Ag Texas family can help grow your herd or your operation. Give us a call and talk to Ag Texas pros about risk management in the form of crop insurance, protecting borrowed capital and savings. We specialize in everything from dairy cows to pecan trees and have the right financial tools and knowledge at Ag Texas to help you grow and grow safely. We can't tell you when it's going to rain again, but we can assure that your crop, your cows, your family, and the family land are secure and protected no matter the storm or the dry spell. We are agriculture at Ag Texas, and we look forward to visiting with you. Ag Texas is at agtexas.com and just down the road. For the land of the free and the home of the brave. From high school gyms to towering stadiums, every time I see our flag wave, I feel a humbling reminder of the brave who keep and have kept us free. 
I stand to honor the sacrifices of the generations before me. Heroes who charged into battle through bombs and bullets, who lost their brothers and still pushed through, fighting for every inch of our freedom. I stand for my brothers who can't stand anymore. Men who hunted terrorists to the ends of the earth, who sacrificed their bodies and their lives so that we could peacefully live ours. I stand for the children, the spouses, and parents whose family made the ultimate sacrifice for us. We are all standing. We're the National Rifle Association of America, and we are freedom's safest place. Outdoors Bragging Board is open for business. Send a picture and a brief description. KinderOutdoors.com You know, here in North Texas, over the maybe at your house too, over the past couple of weeks, it's been icy, rainy, windy, cold, but right in the middle of everything. Last weekend, the sun popped out and we had two gorgeous days. So, last Sunday afternoon, I decided to make a little run to Bass Pro Shop. Turns out I wasn't the only one. It was difficult finding a parking space. We've all got the itch. And pro angler, Berkeley pro angler, bass angler, John Cox can help us with that itch. I caught up with him at the Major League Fishing Red Crest Expo last year. And we were talking about some of the cool stuff that Berkeley has out and about for us to put more big bass in the boat this year. I can't believe it. I'm walking around a fishing show, a fishing expo, a Red Crest fishing expo, and I ran into John Cox. How you doing, man? Oh, man, awesome. I love to be here, man. What Grand Lake's an awesome place to have a tournament like this, and, man, this place is packed. Yeah, it is. It's a fun lake, and everybody kind of wondered, how's the expo going to go? It's the first one ever. Well, gee whiz. Yeah, I mean, this place, it's great. I mean, it's it's got, everybody's here, yeah. and uh, it's kind of cool. We're all in one room. they got the big stage set up with, you know, the big screens where we're watching the live and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's it's really cool atmosphere. Yeah. And one really cool thing about being a professional angler is they throw stuff in your boat. They, Berkeley says, John Cox, let me throw stuff in your boat. Let's look at what they're throwing in your boat these days, okay? Tell us about Berkeley 2022. What are you fired up about? Man, I'm telling you, so the scientists at Berkeley, like, they work, they work super hard, and they are bringing us new stuff constantly. And uh, that's like, my favorite part of the job is when I get that box of new stuff, I get to go out and test them out. And when I find something, I'm like, hey, this, this fits me perfect. Now, wait a minute. You would rather be on the front of your boat testing baits than sitting in a boardroom in a meeting somewhere? <laughs> I do have the best job ever. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. uh, i got to tell you, the Maxent stuff, when it came out a few years ago, it changed fishing for me. I love this stuff. It does what it says it'll do. Right, yeah, the Maxent stuff, I mean, it was just, that was a complete game changer for me. I mean, it honestly swapped out, uh, you know, 60% of the lures I was using, wow. I swapped over to Max Scent because it was just so, it just, it caught more fish, you know. Yeah. And the uh, the colors and actions, it's just, a, it's a little different uh, than what the fish have seen before. And, uh, man, it's just, stuff's killer. I'm one of those guys that if I'm sitting on a brush pile in 30 foot of water and the bite is on, the bite is good. But I look up there in three foot of water and there's a bush. 
I'm going to the bush, John. I can't help it. And I've always got a Max Scent bug on the deck so I can throw it in that bush. Yo, man, that's the same thing with me. That's that's me 100%. I go to the bank, throw those bushes, even when they're not in those bushes. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's, uh, yeah. You, uh, you gained a lot of fame when you took an aluminum boat and jumped it over a beaver dam or something and, and won a bunch of money one time. Uh, fishing's been good to you. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I love it. And, uh, you know, the last you know, 10, 15, 20 years, whatever it's been, it's just been a blast. I mean, I'm getting to go fishing every day. Yeah. Um, you can't ask for anything more than that. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. And you're still fishing out of an aluminum boat. Yeah, I'm still running the Crest Liner. I think uh, I think we're going on 12 or 13, 14 years, whatever. I mean, gosh, time is flying. Yeah. Uh, but now we got a big giant uh, MX-21 now. Got a 250 on it. Um, there's no difference in that in a big fiberglass, yeah. except you're lighter. A little bit lighter, yeah, and just a lot more deck room and uh, super sturdy on the water. I mean, that's it is the best fishing boat. Uh, once you get to your spot and fish, I mean, it's just it's an awesome fishing yeah. boat. Yeah, it is. John, if you would, just step through a few of these baits real quick and show us what we're looking at. Oh, man, these this is just, there's so much good stuff right here. Um, but, like, so for me, um, I got a win last year right there. That's a Fritzide 5 in that exact color. That is go- uh, that is the Lone Ranger color. Um, you know, won a pro circuit on that one. First time I ever even got that bait. I, I won the tournament on it. Wow. Yeah. And you know what? Now's a great time to be throwing that Fritzide, the free spawn females. They're out there right where, you know, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a great one. The War Pig's an awesome one. Um, you know, especially for this time of year. Uh, I haven't really done too much of, uh, you know, the bad shad and the digger, uh, but this square bill here, that, that sucker, man, I, I throw that around trees and everything so when the water's cold and do really well on that one too. And, um, gosh, I mean, they got everything here. We've got our new jigs down here that have the power bait cooked into the skirt. You know, it's, a, it's crazy that that's, that's new now. You know, yeah. that I feel like that's something that should have been done, long. Been done a long time. It was a lot of work. And I believe it. And now that it's in there, I mean, it's just it's going to change everything about our jig fishing. Here's the most important question of our time together, John Cox, okay? Do you have a key to this box? <laughs> I wish I did because some of this stuff, I've been trying to get some of these colors, yeah. and uh, everybody's been buying them all up, so I haven't been able to. So I would love to. We need to go find this key. Yeah, I mean, uh, who's up the ladder? Uh, is, uh, who's the next fisherman I can talk to around here that might have a little more seniority? Is Justin Lucas around yeah. somewhere? Yeah, I think Justin Lucas gets up. He get, two, he's got a key? I'm sure he's got two keys. For I'm him. looking for Justin Lucas. John, congratulations. What a great career, man. Thanks for talking to us. Thank you. Thank you. This corner of the Cap House brought to you by Joshua Creek Ranch down in the Texas Hill Country. Yes, world-class bird hunting. Don't overlook the low-fence, free-range axis hunt. That's where I go. Had a conversation with my buddy Larry Wysoon about those axis deer. Not only a great hunt, but great on the table. And you're right. They are absolutely fantastic when it comes to the dinner table. Yep, they are. Last Friday evening, uh, I ran down and bought some pretty nice shrimp, and I, I cubed up some of that scrap from that last axis deer we shot, and I kebobbed those shrimp and uh, the little chunks of axis deer. Uh, you don't want to overcook that. Cook them just about as long as you'd cook a shrimp. So that makes a pretty good kebab right there. Oh, I know it does. I've done the same thing with a few other things as well in, in, involving that axis deer. But that axis deer, even on really the big bucks, you know, so very often you take a big old mature animal and you go, ooh, this thing's going to be tough. Yeah. Even on those really big, old, mature axis deer, they're very tender and have an absolutely fabulous flavor. In Texas, they're an exotic. This is one of the few places they exist in, uh, in, the, in our continent. Uh, they're an exotic. You can hunt them in the hottest uh, heat of summer. 
You really can. And I'll tell you what, some of the best hunting for them, particularly if you're interested in the bigger antlers, is generally in June is when their primary rut is. Of course, they'll breed throughout the year as well. There's, there's always a hard-antlered buck of some sort somewhere within that herd. So those animals do breed throughout the year. But still, like I said, June is one of their top times, early July, because that's when they're out there really chasing the does. So if you uh, have to put the deer rifle up in, in January and, by golly, you can't get it out again until next November, there are some options. And State of Texas uh, offers a couple of public land hunts uh, that are pretty good uh, down in your part of the country where you can go shoot these axis deer uh, unlimited because they're an exotic species. And odds are pretty good that if you get drawn, that you're going to take an axis deer home with you. Oh, absolutely you will. Like I said, that population has been increasing over the last several years. They're both browsers and grazers, so they take advantage of whatever food that's there, and their reproduction rate's fairly high. And beyond all that, I mean, they're the people call them a lot of times the most beautiful deer in the world. And you look at their antlers, they're spotted all year round, so you've got a great set of horns to put on the wall or antlers you got a hide that makes absolutely a beautiful throw rug if you like or all kinds of other things you can use as far as furniture is concerned but again that venison is just doesn't get any better and when you're boning him out make sure you don't lose an inch of that uh, on there what are we going to shoot that deer with anyway when we get ready to go Larry absolutely well usually when I'm shooting deer for uh, meat like that I'm going to try to do a head shot as much as I can I'll use the same deer rifle that an army is one of the rigors that I use and particularly in the last four years the uh, last two years now the Ruger American, generally in a 270 or 30-06, and I always shoot Hornady ammo as well. Thank you, Larry, Mr. Whitetail. Larry Wyson. Hey, we've got just a few seconds left. It gives me an opportunity to say hello and thank you to some folks like Dick McCollum from Dallas, Texas. We heard from him this week. Dick, always good to hear from you. Thank you for listening. Thomas Milo, Keller, Texas. Hey, Thomas. Tell Kevin and the gang, hey. Mike Alexander catches Kinder Outdoors in Pensacola, Florida. And in Las Cruces, New Mexico, it's Mary Catherine Meek. Clayton Jarnigan catches Kinder Outdoors in Freedom, Oklahoma. Love that name. John Horton is in Richardson, Texas. And Taylor Yates is in Forsyth, Georgia. Thank you all for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And hey, if you missed something or want to hear it again, we're available wherever you get your podcasts and at kinderoutdoors.com. Come back and listen again. Bring a buddy with you. Hey, everybody, it's Justin Lucas. And when I'm not in the great outdoors, I'm sure thinking about it with Kinder Outdoors. Hi, I'm Jim Shockey, and I want to make sure that all of our calendars are marked with the dates for our 2023 annual military charity golf event. The dates are March 26th and 27th of 2023. We'll be returning to the Wild Dunes Resort on the Isle of Palms in South Carolina. Now here's the best part. The proceeds from this military charity golf event, supported by Freedom Hunters, goes to award the honorable service personnel of our U.S. and Canadian Armed Forces with outdoor adventures. There's no better cause than honoring the courageous men and women that protect our freedoms. So go to jimshockeyclassic.com to register. So again, that's March 26th and 27th of 2023 at the Wild Dunes Resort. And by the way, that's the South Carolina coast in the springtime. It doesn't get any better than that. I'll see you there. The True Life Taxidermy Studio in Granbury, Texas has won Best Studio in the State of Texas time after time after time. 
Roy Holdridge and his True Life staff of artists take your memories to a higher level, a degree of professionalism and perfection that matches the memory of the hunt or that fishing trip. True Life can create and integrate lifelike landscape, multiple animals, fish, and fowl. International shipping and trophy care is turnkey when you turn it over to Roy Holdridge and True Life in Granbury, Texas. My home is a testament to the impeccable work of True Life Taxidermy. The ducks, pheasant, deer, and fish are realistic and they last. A special deer in memory on my wall dates back nearly 30 years and still looks fresh and new. Preserve that special memory this year with True Life Taxidermy. Visit the 1,800-square-foot trophy room and see Roy's talent on display. True Life Taxidermy is online at truelifetaxidermy.org. These are unsettling and even scary times for many people. But for others, there's peace, even as an angry world cries out. The source of that peace is Jesus Christ. I'm John Watson, pastor at Cornerstone Bible Church in Roanoke, Texas. At Cornerstone, we teach the Bible with no man-made religion added in. Join us online Sunday mornings at 1015 Central at csbiblechurch.org. It's just God's Word, csbiblechurch.org. Crappie anglers, tired of tying knots? Hey, Wally Marshall, Mr. Crappie here to tell you about the all-new Add-A-Hook by Bullet Weights. The Add-A-Hook is designed to put a hook on your line without using any knots or cutting your line. Hold the Add-A-Hook next to your fishing line, then wrap the line five times around each side. Pull your line into the clips, and bam, you're ready to go, and it will not slip. I can tie a double crappie rig in 30 seconds when it takes up to six minutes to tie one with all the knots. Add a hook is made of stainless steel, no rust, flexible, and tough. Mr. Crappie and Bullet Weights has made it better, faster, and easier for crappie fishermen to get back in the water catching more crappie than ever. Bullet Weights has a full line of Mr. Crappie double mental rigs for trolling and vertical fishing. The Mr. Crappie Troll Check rigs are designed to troll in shallow waters and heavy cover, keeping two baits close together without hanging up. Also, don't forget Mr. Crappie Slow Troll and Double Drop Crappie Rigs. Pre-tied with number two hooks, double swivel weights, and eight-pound line. Tie one on today. Look us up at bulletweights.com. This is Woody, Woody's fairly reliable guide service up on Rainy Lake, Minnesota. I've been taking families, friends, and corporate groups fishing for more than 40 years. Crappie, smallmouth, walleye, and monster pike await you right outside your lodge door. Not only can I show you a wonderful time on Rainy Lake, I can sell you your very own island as I'm a realtor too. So we can do it all up here and take a two-nation vacation with Woody. Over 90% of our customers make it back to dock safely. We hope you're one of them. Woody at RainyLake.com. See you here. Folks come in off the porch. Kinder Outdoors is back. Hey, when you get a chance this weekend, come see me at kinderoutdoors.com and click on Joshua Creek Ranch. Take a look at the awesome opportunities that this ranch affords you. The fishing in the river or the crystal clear Joshua Creek that runs right through the middle of the place. The bird hunting is unmatched anywhere. Plus, traditional native Texas whitetail deer and turkeys. Ducks, there's lots to do five-star style at Joshua Creek Ranch. Well, with springtime right around the corner, it's a real good time for a brush-up. Flipping and pitching is a fishing technique that took my friend Gary Klein all the way to the Hall of Fame. He was kind enough to give us a one-on-one lesson on flipping and pitching, the master himself. 
Gary Klein. Gary Klein, I can't talk to you without first bringing up flipping and pitching. I can't even ask how the kids are doing without asking you about flipping and pitching first. Uh, you're the man. You you have uh, built a career on flipping and pitching. You're a versatile guy, but flipping and pitching has been your backbone. Well, it really has been, Billy. And I mean, you know, one of the key things for me growing up as a young fisherman, you know, I was 15 years old and I met D. Thomas. And D. Thomas is truly the father of flipping. He's the one that invented the technique. So in my early years, I was kind of like D's son. You know, he has three daughters, so I was the son that he never had and spent a lot of time in the boat with him learning the technique. But there's so much more to flipping and pitching than just the technique. You know, I was, I had, uh, took some wounded warriors hunting and I messed my foot up. I had six surgeries. I was on a walker for about a year and a half, but you know what I could do? I could lean on that walker with a knee and I could practice flipping in the yard. You can really get good, uh, in the front yard. And I watched everything I could find on the internet, uh, where Gary Klein was talking about flipping and pitching. And one key that uh, I picked up on that's made me a better bass fisherman, well, there have been a lot of those, but one in particular is, uh, when you flip to that tree or whatever, you're going to immediately start spooling offline. You want to make sure that that, that that jig or whatever you're pitching drops straight down. Well, that is correct. And let's just kind of start at the beginning, and I'll try to run through it real quick. Pitching and flipping is nothing more than a technique. It's a way to present a lure to shallow water cover that the fish are living in or using or around. But one of the advantages to flipping and pitching is that unlike casting, your accuracy is almost 100%. And you always hear me talk about a pattern within a pattern. And, folks, I cannot stress this enough. A lot of times the fish like to be in the cover. A lot of times they're on the back side of the cover. And when you're flipping and pitching because you're so precise with your lure presentation, you really get a chance to experience that. It's almost like being up close and personal like bow hunting. You actually get to develop a relationship with the animals. I'll tell you what, it's it's so much fun for me to go down a bank. I caught my first double-digit fish with a jig, flipping, pitching. And uh, it's just so much fun to go down through there and visualize that next piece of cover and then pick it apart. Well, not only that, too, because especially when you get on a bite where the fish are really nice size, around the bushes, the buck bushes, or maybe in a lay-down tree or something, when that lure is presented to that fish, he's there for a reason. He's he's ready to feed, and bass are pretty pretty aggressive. But on a big fish, you can't see him below the water, so a lot of times your lure presentation may be on the back side of the fish. That fish is going to move a lot of real estate when he swings his body around to get to the bait. That's when you see the bush move or the logs move or the debris or the big boil. And it is. It's really, really exciting. Yeah, and the blood pressure starts going up in anticipation. Uh, do you modify your jigs in any way, uh, or does that have to do with the, the situation you're in? Well, uh, both of those comments are true. I mean, the the lures that I use today, let's let, let me just say first of all, when you are using the the flipping or pitching technique, most of the time anglers across this country have been conditioned to using a single hook, like a jig with a weed guard on it or a Texas rig plastic worm where the hook is not exposed. That allows the bait to be fished in heavy cover without getting hung up. But flipping, like I said earlier, is just a technique. And it's really important not to really get hung up on, on the lures as much because I flip a lot of spinnerbaits. Um, you know, pitching and flipping a spinnerbait is very efficient. 
again, it's a piece of lead on a wire frame that has a single hook, so it is very weedless. But I have literally flipped almost every type of lure that you conventionally cast, from big square bills uh, to a three-quarter ounce Hopkins spoon. I got on a bite one time flipping down a rock bank, and I was actually catching them on a spoon better than I could anything else. So you have to be open-minded with the technique. But here's the advantages to flipping and pitching. I've already covered the fact that your percentages, once you learn the technique, got to practice it, is almost 100%. You can put the lure... Uh, anywhere you want to. I mean, on the back side, front side, down the middle. But because you're using a rod that is usually extended in length, the length of the rod gives you the leverage. And along with the technique, you have the tendency to use heavier lines. In other words, I'll flip a lot of 25, 30, 40. Oh, now we flip a lot of braid. Um, so you have an advantage as far as you don't have to worry about your line breaking. But because you have a rod that has length, it gives you, the angler, the ability to leave the fish away from the cover or out of the cover once you set the hook. And, you know, when you have a bass that's hooked in the mouth, he's going to go where the pressure takes him. And you can direct his you can direct his direction with the length of the rod. So length of the rod, larger line, and yes, on the hooks that we're using, because everything is such close quarters, you don't have a lot of stretch factor involved, we have the tendency to use a, uh, a thicker diameter hook uh, or maybe a, what, you, what uh, you hear called a wide bite hook, something that's got a bigger bite. So, yeah, it's all a combination of everything. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, let's, let's build a, a flipping rod real quick for some folks. You're a ducket guy. Uh, tell me about your rod, and I bet you want a real fast reel on there, too. Exactly, uh, because the reel, when you're flipping and pitching, does nothing more than pull the line in. Inches per turn of the handle, that's all a reel does. So I have the tendency to use a high-speed reel. And at Ducket, we have a 360 that is a 7.3 to 1, so it's relatively quick. But also, when you go to a larger diameter line, you're also increasing the gear retrieve or the inches per turn of the handle on that reel. So, yeah, but my perfect rod is a Ducket. Uh, we have a Micromagic rod. It's a 7.9. It is a parabolic bend flip stick and an 8-foot in the white ice line. An 8-foot Gary Klein flip stick, parabolic, with a 9.5-inch handle on it. So all the rod is out in front of the real seat itself. So, I'm, again, I'm trying to give an angler an advantage by extending the rod length. When do we set the hook, uh, Gary? Uh, when we see our line swimming off? When? Well, I tell you, that's real important because we had just covered the fact that it's in close battling. You see everything going on. You watch the bush move. I'm wanting to set the hook when that bush wiggles. Exactly. And as a rule of thumb, I never set the hook until I feel the weight of the fish. And what I, I do it real quick. But when I see a strike or I detect a strike, I'm actually going to lift the rod tip until I feel the weight of the fish and set the hook. And just a real quick example, a lot of times I've been on bodies of water where the fish are really on a good crawdad bite. So I'm fishing a brown jig, brown red jig, brown orange jig, black red, something that's resembling a crawdad. Well, a lot of times a bass, his initial movement on a crawdad will be to basically grind it into the bottom and injure that crawdad. And one way you experience that, you get on a good jig bite and you're starting, you know, you set the hook you'll hook a lot of these fish on the outside of the mouth. So normally what I'll do when I experience that, I'll get the bite on a jig, and then I'll just pick up on it, and if the fish is not there, then I'll just kind of jig it a little bit, and he'll get it. You know, he's going to get that bait. So, yeah, as a rule of thumb, never set the hook until you feel the weight of the fish. Everywhere that a 
Bass Fishing Hall of Fame is in existence. You'll find a plaque with my buddy's likeness and name on there, Gary Klein. He's a true gentleman and a great guy, great ambassador for the sport. Joshua Creek Ranch features world-class upland bird hunting. They've got well-trained bird dogs, but, hey, your dogs are welcome. You're sure welcome to bring them along. Book a hunt at Joshua Creek Ranch. You'll be glad you did. All out of time, I do want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for this time we have together each week, though, and invite you back next time around. Until then, may God bless you and your body. (laughs) 